In the scriptures to 1 Corinthians, we've been on this uh, topic for some time now, a few weeks now, when we didn't have something uh, special going on. Otherwise, in talking about the, the temple of the Holy Spirit, the temple of the Holy Spirit. 1 Corinthians 6 and 9, 1 Corinthians 6 and 9 says, Know you not that the unrighteous shall not inherit the kingdom of God? There is much more going on and available to the child of God, to the believer, than only being saved from hell. Now, if that's all there was, it'd be worth getting saved. And in some. But God has a plan. And His kingdom is going to rule over all. There's coming a time, won't be very long, there won't be a USA. There won't be any other kingdom or empire. The kingdom of God will become the ruling overall kingdom. And then God really will be in control. And it's going to be a different deal. (laughs) God is not controlling everything now. It's in the hands of men and evil spirits. But that's very, very temporary. And in this kingdom, this eternal kingdom that shall never end. This is not, no, this is not a fairy tale. This is not a fantasy. There will be huge cities. And there will be large groups of people. And the people that will be reigning over it will be kings and princes that the king of kings is over. Amen. And have you, have you any idea who the kings are that he's king of? Huh? Yeah, you could introduce yourself. Hi, Keith Moore, king in training. <laughs> I'm a kingdom of God king in training. (laughs) And that's actually what's going on. The Lord is is getting us ready in this life. We're learning valuable lessons of faith and and what's right and what's wrong and being led by the Spirit and uh, loyalty, faithfulness, the fruit of the Spirit. These are the kind of qualities that his leaders have to have. Because there will be no corruption in his kingdom. There will be no unfairness. None. Hmm? There won't be anybody buying favors. Or lying or deceiving or selling out anybody. There will be zero of that. None of that. Thank you, Because God really will be in control. And he'll be doing it through us. 
through you. Keep reading. But he said the unrighteous, those who don't choose that path, they're not going to be the ones that inherit the kingdom of God. And then he gives an example of what he calls unrighteous, or just, that's a King James word, unright means not right. Not right. Don't be deceived, he said. Neither fornicators, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor effeminate, nor abusers with themselves of themselves with mankind, verse 10, nor thieves, nor covetous, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor extortioners shall inherit the kingdom of God. Those are not the kind of people he's looking for to rule and reign with him. But uh, if, if you've ever been involved in any of that, don't despair. Read the next verse. And such were, were some of you, but even if you used to be into that up to your eyeballs, it's not just how you start out, it's how you end up. Such were some of you, but you are, I could say now, but now you are washed. You are sanctified. You are justified in the name of the Lord Jesus and by the Spirit of our God. What does that mean? Which means you do qualify to inherit His kingdom. To be used of Him and rule and reign with Him. Because you've been washed. You've been sanctified. You've been, that means set apart. And you've been justified. Not by what you have done, but by what Jesus has done. Are you thankful, saints? Thank God. Thank God. Used to be. But not now. Now I'm washed. Justified. Sanctified. Verse 12. Now, now here's something that is... Man, It's the more, more I get into this, the more I see how... 2023 this is. All things are lawful to me. Now, you have to kind of understand what's been going on here. This epistle, this letter to the church at Corinth. He's answering questions they've asked him. If you read the whole thing, you'll see a continuity. And you'll see that the church wrote to him. And asked him questions. Now, there was no church uh, uh, at Corinth. They just, they worshipped idols. And they had done so for, I don't know, centuries. But Paul came there, and you find this in the book of Acts. And you know, a lot of you got maps in the back of your book that shows the travels and all. He went to this area called Corinth and preached the gospel. And there's no church there. And people got saved. And then more people got saved, and more people got saved, and, he, and there were miracles and healings and deliverances and signs and wonders. And then he, uh, uh, he taught them for months at a time, and they've got a church there, and now they've got a church of thousands. Big, strong, great church, right in the middle of Corinth. And so they have written now to him and asked him several questions. One of them was about eating food that was offered to idols and about going to uh, idol ceremonies because the, the city and the area was full of idolatry. 
I mean, there was a temple to a false god on every corner. And uh, then they asked him, you know, chapter 7, they asked him about marriage and about divorce and about remarriage. They asked him in this uh, previous part of this chapter right here, 6, about suing, about Christians suing each other, going to court, suing each other. And they asked him about several things, and he's answering them. And part of what he's doing is quoting their question and then answering it. Or quoting their statement and then answering it. So when it says here, look at this again, all things are lawful for me. A lot of other translations word it like this, you say all things are lawful for me. And it begins to be obvious that he is quoting something they're saying. And this word lawful could be translated permissible. All things, or we might say it in our modern language, everything's okay. All things are okay. He said, but but not everything is expedient. And then he quotes them again. All things are permissible. All things are okay. He said, but I won't be brought under the power of anything. Can you see he's countering their everything is permissible. The Spirit of God is through him. Verse, verse 13. Foods for the belly and the belly for foods. Again, we believe that's a quote from them. But God shall destroy both it and them. That's his response. Now the word destroy, it could also be translated render useless. There will come a time when digestion in the glorified body is not what it is now. Somebody say, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Now, the, the Corinthians, they had this mentality... That the appetites of the body are just natural, and it's just natural to try to satisfy the appetites of the body. And it's no big deal. And that everything's okay. And he immediately goes on to say, now the body is not for fornication. Fornication is sex outside of covenant. Marriage is not just a legal ritual, it's a covenant. And covenants matter. They are big to God. And so the reason he said uh, the body's not for fornication, but for the Lord, and the Lord for the body, is because fornication was a big problem here. What do you mean? Having sex. It's, we're told in, in history books that uh, in this place of Corinth called Acre Corinth, in that area where the temple of Aphrodite was and some of this stuff, there were over a thousand temple prostitutes right there in the area. So when you went to church at the temple, you went to have sex. And you paid And the money went to the temple coffers, and it was just, it was normal life. 
And their, their mentality was, you, you, your body gets hungry, you eat. You want to have sex, you have sex. That was the mentality. And so keep reading. That's why he's saying, and their, their response as born-again believers... Now see, they've been born again now. He's not writing to the temple in Corinth of Aphrodite. He's writing to the church. The saints that have been born again. They're saying, man, you know, food for the belly. The belly for food. What? Eat, brother. Eat. And sex. Sex is natural. Sex is normal. Have all the sex you can. Whoever. He said, no, no. The body's not just for sex. The body's for the Lord. And the Lord is for the body. Keep reading. God has raised up the Lord and will also raise up us, our body, by his own power. Sit out loud. This will... This will help you say it. The same thing that happened happened to Jesus' body body when it was raised from the dead dead, will happen to me. Will happen to to my body. body. That same thing that happened to Jesus' body is going to happen to my body. Keep reading. Know you not that your bodies are the members of Christ? Shall I then take the members of Christ and make them the members of an harlot? Or we'd say prostitute? Because remember, they had a thousand of them right there in town. He said, God forbid, may it not be. See, their mentality is, it's just the body. No biggie. It's just sex. It's just the body. He said, no, no. Your body is an actual member and part of Christ. And it matters what you do with your body. Everybody said out loud, it matters. matters. What I do do with my body. body. Now we've been talking about this for a few weeks now, because he goes on to say, let's just read it, verse 16. He said, what, know you not? He which is joined to the prostitute is one body, for two, saith he, shall be one flesh. So it's not just nothing. He said, no, there's a joining there. There's an intimacy there. There you become there's a oneness in body. This is even with a stranger that you're just paying to have sex with. He said, No, it's more than just casual sex. He said, Because it's written to two, said he, shall be one flesh. Verse 17. But he that's joined to the Lord is one spirit. Keep going. Flee. Fornication. Fornication, sex, outside of covenant, was a big problem there. Is it a big problem today? Yes, Yes, it is. Still a big problem. It's always been a problem. Flee it, he said, because every sin a man does is without the body, but he that commits fornication is sinning against his own body. Uh, Proverbs talks about you, you can't. Uh, take coals into your bosom and not be burned. And that's what he goes on to talk about adultery and affairs. You can't do it 
without it hurting you and them and affecting you and leaving a scar. But see, the Corinthians' motto was, it's only sex. Are y'all with me, church? Do you see why he's talking about this? He said, no, verse 19. What? Don't you know your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit, which is in you, which you have of God, and you are not your own? You know, we are particular in our church buildings. The one here and the one in Branson and our, our script. We, we would not just let somebody put a herd of hogs in here. Is that right? Or some other kind of livestock. And we wouldn't even let somebody uh, have some kind of a ungodly uh, worldly music concert in here. Huh? Where they're cussing and mocking and doing all this. Uh-uh. That'd be a defilement. Of this place. And this place is not the temple of God. But it's dedicated to his use. This is the temple of God. Is that what he said? This is. So what happens here matters. Doesn't it? And it matters to God. See, they tried to say it's just physical. And the physical's going on, going away anyway. And it doesn't matter. It really doesn't matter what you do with your body. Lies. Not true. The Bible says the opposite. It does matter. Keep, keep reading. He said, don't you know? That your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit, which is in you, which you have of God. And you are not your own. Now this, you hear all the time. It's my body. Huh? It's up to me what I do with my body. Well, then you're talking like you are not a Christian. You are not a believer. And of course, if you're not a believer, you can do whatever you want to. But if you are a believer, you, your body's not your own. It's not your own. Everybody said out loud, my body is the temple of the Holy Spirit. And I am not my own. Now he goes on to say in the very next verse, he says, For you are bought with a price. If somebody buys something... And pays for it. Whose is it? It's theirs. They bought it. They paid for it. Did the Lord buy and pay for your spirit and your soul and your body? Did he do it? Did he do it? Then it's his. It's not just yours to do with what you want to. It's not just yours to feel full of drugs. Or abuse with alcohol. Or have sex with anybody you can find. Or to put all kind of tattoos over it. Or piercings or whatever. So say, well, it's my body. Then are you not a Christian? Are you not a Christian? Well, then, if you are a Christian, before you do anything with his property, you better go to him. And ask him about it. Is that right? Lord, is it okay with you if I put a skull and crossbones on your arm? 
Would that be okay? <laughs> or, you know, before I uh, stick, stick some drugs in my body. Or whatever I do, right. say it out loud. My body, my body is not my own. Jesus bought it. He paid for it. It's his. Now you are the steward of it. You're the caretaker of it. But it's his. Is that right or not? Keep reading. Keep reading. You're bought with a price. So glorify God in your body. And actually the words in your spirit are not there in the original text because he wasn't just talking about the whole thing he's talking about the body in this passage it's true you want to glorify God in your whole being but it literally says glorify God in your body which is God's that's what it says so um, that's another point we can help identify things before we do it do I ask myself will this glorify God by me doing this with my body. Now go with me if you would back to the fourth chapter. Are you okay so far? Yes. Sir. Go back to the fourth chapter because um, the the fourth and fifth chapter leads up to this passage we're reading. We're in chapter six. So notice what happened that led up to this. I believe it's about four eighteen towards the end of the chapter here. Let's look. Well, I could use some more time today. 4.18 says, he says, the Spirit of God through Paul is saying, now some of you are puffed up. Now puffed up, what does that mean? It's it's haughtiness. It's an puff is like blowing up, like a balloon. It's, It's inflated idea of yourself and what you what you think you know and, and the scripture actually says in the eighth chapter uh, talking about that first um, uh, Corinthians 8 1 says knowledge puffs up and so the, the these these folks at Corinth they got saved but they're baby baby Christians. And they got no background in the Word at all. They were worshiping at the Aphrodite temple two years ago. And, and so were their parents and their parents' parents. And so they got no background in the Word. But now they have learned something about grace. And their interpretation of grace is... Everything's okay. Anything's okay. Everything's okay. Including whatever you want to put into your body, whatever you want to do with your body, everything's permissible. Everything's okay. So he he begins talking about them being puffed up. And he said, uh, let's see. I will come to you shortly, if the Lord will, and I will know not the speech of them that are puffed up, 
but to power. For the kingdom of God's not in word, but in power. What will you? You want me to come to you with a rod, a stick, or in love? And in the spirit of meekness. And the reason he says this, he's about to get real straight with them. This wasn't written in chapter and verse. Is this New Testament? Are we in the same dispensation they are? Same church they are? Same age they are? Keep keep going, chapter 5 and verse 1. He said, it's reported commonly. And, 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 or in other words, everybody knows it. That there's fornication among you. Now, what's fornication? Anybody know? Sex outside of covenant. Outside of marriage. And such fornication as is not so much as named among the Gentiles. He said, you don't hear about this kind of sex with the unbelievers, with the idol worshipers. And they were into some wild stuff. And that is that one should have his father's wife. Or we'd say today his stepmother. His stepmother. And he said, verse 2. And you are what? Puffed up and have not rather mourned that he that's done this deed might be taken away from you. Now, what we've got, in fact, just go with me over to the second Corinthians because he wrote a letter to them after this letter in which he deals with the aftermath of this. But in second Corinthians 7 and 12... He said, though I wrote to you, I did it not for his cause that had done the wrong, nor for his cause that suffered wrong, but that our care for you in the sight of God might appear to you. So, apparently, this man's father is still alive and in the same church. And now, this guy is either married or just living with his uh, stepmother and his father's still alive and apparently in the same church. And they are all apparently believers. You might say, where'd you get that? Well, I'm glad you asked. Go back <laughs> to 1 Corinthians 5. Are y'all okay? Am I reading the New Testament? New Testament. Why are we talking about this? Because our bodies are the temples of the Holy Spirit. And it matters what we do with them. Right? And the Lord has said a lot about it. That has kind of been, a lot of it's been ignored or not noticed. But uh, in 1 Corinthians 5... Toward the end of the chapter, he said, uh, verse 9, I wrote to you in an epistle not to company with fornicators. Don't hang out with people that are having sex with folks that they're not married to. And uh, yet not altogether with the fornicators of this world or with the covetous or extortioners or idolaters, for then you'd have to go out of the world. 
Why? Because unbelievers are fornicators. Right? And all this other. He said, no, I'm talking about not keep company if anybody's called a brother. This is a fellow believer that is a fornicator or covetous or idolater or railer or drunkard. And that would include, you know, drug addiction too. Or extortioner with such an one know not to eat. Now there's more than one reason why. One reason is evil communications corrupt good manners. Hanging around this makes you susceptible to it. And temptation. And it also, if you're hanging around with them, acting like it's fine, it gives them false comfort. That they're okay when they're not. But suffice it to say the scripture is right. And this is the right way to handle it. He said, uh, for what have I to do to judge them that are without? That's the unsaved outside of the church. Um, Do you not judge them that are within? That's in the church. But them that are without, God judges. Therefore, put away from among yourselves that wicked person. That's why we say this man and his stepmother and his father that the woman was previously married to, they're in the church at Corinth. And everybody knew it, but they're not upset about it. They're saying all things are permissible. All things are permissible. And he warns them in this other part of this chapter that it's like leaven. It's like yeast. If they don't deal with it, it will spread. And there will be more and more of it. Now, you'll hear people today saying similar things, even if it's not to that extreme of an example. But that is, oh, don't talk to us about rules and do's and don'ts. We're not under the law. We're under grace. And so what are, are they saying all things are permissible? What, what are they trying to say? Is there right and wrong? Yes. Huh? Yes. Is there good and bad? Yes. Are there things that you just are not to tolerate? Yes. And you are not to consider? Yes. It ought not be in the church. Yes, yes or no? Yes. Yeah, well, that's rules, and that's law, and that's do It's right and wrong. That's right. I said it's right and wrong. Amen. Now, something that some people have really, and the Lord's helped me recently with this. I, I see it clearer than I ever have. If you'd have asked me a year or two ago, do I, do I respect the Old Testament? I'd have said, for sure. And yet the Lord has shown me in recent years. I didn't respect it enough that even though I wasn't doing it purposely, I kind of viewed it as a second uh, category of word compared to the to the New Testament, and that is wrong. That is absolutely untrue. Men have named this Old Testament. New Testament. That's men's titles and names. There is never 
anything old about the Word of God. Now there is the first covenant or old covenant and new covenant. But within what's called the Old Testament, there are several covenants. Not just one. But it's not the Old Testament as we call it is not just all covenants. It is Genesis. It is creation. It is the Exodus. It is the giving of the law. But then it's the prophets and the Psalms. Can you see all of this? It is the Word of God. And everything God has ever said was and is and always will be right and true and good and perfect. There was never anything wrong with the law. Never. It was that people couldn't keep it. The, if you read Romans, the seventh chapter in particular, he says the law was good and perfect and right. He said the law is spiritual. Take the Ten Commandments, for instance. Which one of those is no longer valid? No longer for us. No longer true. No longer right. Is it still a good idea that you shall have no other gods before Him? Is it still a good idea that you don't make any idols and statues and fall down to them and, and pray? Is it still a good idea that you honor your father and mother, that you don't lie, that you don't steal, that you don't murder? Is it still right? Absolutely right. True, perfect, holy. That's the way the whole Word of God is. The only, only change is made when we see by the New Testament that something has been fulfilled in Christ. Fulfilled. But that will never mean that, that the Lord says, no, my word's not good anymore. Just ignore that. Forget that. Go with me back to uh, Leviticus, please. The 18th chapter. Said out loud, all the Bible is the eternal Word of God. It's always right. It's always good. Hallelujah. Leviticus, the 18th chapter, talks about this. It includes, I should say, this very instance... Uh, that we read about concerning this man and his uh, mother-in-law, not mother-in-law, stepmother, stepmother, that he uh, married or, or is living with. And the problem was the whole church knew about it and decided it was no big deal because they're under grace. Now, the Word had said something very clear in the giving of the Word in Leviticus 18. 
But you know, so many people, they just hear the word Leviticus and they go, oh, that's Old Testament. That's, that's not for us anymore. Said who? Anything God said? No good anymore? Let's read it. See if you think it'd be a good idea today. Leviticus 18. Got a couple extra minutes for me this morning? I may need them. Uh, I'm, I think I'm going to read the whole chapter. Because a lot of people have never read this in their life. Because it's in the Old Testament. They just ignore the Old Testament. Leviticus 18.1, The Lord spoke to Moses and he said, Speak to the children of Israel and say to them, I am the Lord your God. Is he still the Lord our God? Yes. After the doings of the land of Egypt, wherein you dwelt, shall you not do. After the doings of the land of Canaan, whether I bring you, shall you not do. Neither shall you walk in their ordinances. Is there anything in the New Testament like that? Be not conformed to this world. Right? You know what he said? Don't live like the Egyptians lived. And don't live like the Canaanites lived. And then he begins to give examples of what, specific examples of what he's talking about. He said, you shall do my judgments and keep my ordinances to walk therein. I am the Lord your God. You shall therefore keep my statutes and my judgments, which if a man do, he will live in them. I am the Lord. And he goes on to talk about, you know, being blessed instead of being cursed and living instead of dying in other passages. None of you, verse 6, shall approach to any that is near of kin to him to uncover their nakedness. I am the Lord. The nakedness of your father and the nakedness of your mother you shall not uncover. She is your mother. You shall not uncover her nakedness. How many think that's still a good idea? The nakedness of your father or the nakedness of your mother you shall not uncover. Verse 8, the nakedness of your father's wife. This is specifically what he's referring to there in uh, 1 Corinthians 5. You shall not uncover, it's your father's nakedness. The nakedness of your sister, the daughter of your father, or daughter of your mother. This would be, and this could include, you know, step uh, sister or brother. Uh, whether they're born at home or born abroad, even their nakedness you shall not uncover. The nakedness of your son's daughter or of your daughter's daughter, even their nakedness you'll not uncover. Theirs is your own nakedness. The nakedness of your father's wife's daughter, begotten of your father. You'll not uncover the nakedness of your father's sister. Verse 13, you'll not uncover the nakedness of your mother's sister. You'll not uncover the nakedness of your father's brother that you shall approach to the wife. She's your aunt. You'll not uncover the nakedness of your daughter-in-law. She's your son's wife. You'll not uncover the nakedness of your brother's wife. It's your brother's nakedness. You'll not uncover the nakedness of a woman and her daughter. Neither shall you take her son's daughter or her daughter's daughter to uncover her nakedness. That's her near kinswoman. It is wickedness. Is it still wickedness? Wicked means twisted, distorted. Is it still wrong? Is there right and wrong? 
good and bad. Because see the world and even some confused Christians will try to tell you, well, you know, that's all Old Testament and, and you know, and, and what? What he said very clearly is wrong is now okay. When did it become okay? How did the coming of Jesus make this okay? Keep reading. Neither shall you take a wife to her sister to vex her to uncover her nakedness beside the other in her lifetime. You shall not approach to a woman to uncover her nakedness as long as she's put apart for her uncleanness. You'll not lie carnally with your neighbor's wife to defile yourself with her. You'll not let any of your seed pass through the fire to Molech. That was a ritual, sadistic thing they practiced back then, and it was also associated with sex. You'll not lie with mankind as with womankind. It is abomination. How's that one okay? And the others are not. How do we pick one? And say, well, no, nowadays this is okay. Well, if it's okay, why isn't the rest of it okay? Neither shall you lie with any beast to defy yourself. Neither shall any woman stand before a beast to lie down is confusion. Is that still wrong? Why would any of this have been changed and now become right? Defile not yourselves in any of these things, for in all these the nations are defiled which I cast out before you, and the land is defiled. Therefore I do visit the iniquity of it. The land itself vomits out its inhabitants. He said the land itself is so sick and nauseated with all of this junk that they're doing, it is puking them out. The land. Is there right and wrong? Yes. What is truth? The scripture said, thy word is truth. But see, you'll hear people trying to say, well, yeah, but you know, I, you have to go with your truth, and I have to stay with my truth. Well, then they're saying truth is whatever I say it is. But that's not true. There is truth. Absolute Forever settled, word of God, truth. It was right then, and a thousand centuries from now, it will still be right. It will never change. God hasn't changed. Right and wrong hasn't changed. Our covenant has changed. We couldn't keep the law and be righteous through our own works. We didn't measure up. We didn't make it. So Jesus had to come. And do it for us. And make us righteous with His righteousness. That's what has changed. But right and wrong has not changed. Now, uh, he goes on to say, he said, uh, verse 28, that the land spew not you out when you defile it as it spewed out to nations before you. Verse 30, you will keep my ordinance and not commit any of these abominable customs that were committed before you, that you defile not yourselves therein. I am the Lord your God. If He is your God, His Word is your authority. Is that right? And let's let's talk more about what happened there at the church at Corinth. What if 
this man and his stepmother just fell in love. (laughs) You know, it just happened. (laughs) Are y'all with me or not? Huh? What if his stepfather didn't treat her right? And what if, you know, her and his, excuse me, her and his father, I said stepfather, that's right. her and his father, what if their relationship had kind of been gone and died a long time ago? Huh? And what if? You know, they didn't mean to. <laughs> but... <laughs> You know, can you help who you love? I mean, you love who you love, right? And if loving you is wrong, (laughs) now you're laughing, but that's how most of the world lives. You know, what if? They didn't mean to, but it just happened. And they realized they're soulmates. They're soulmates. And, and you know, they're Christians. So they prayed about it. <laughs> and, and felt like the Lord had said... It would be all right. Because we're not under law. We're not under law. We're under grace. Now you're laughing, but um, this is where we are. With so many, what I've described to you can be described over and over and over again where people just take this word like we just read and they just shove it aside and they go, no, that doesn't matter. That's all passed away. And their desires and their feelings and their reasonings have replaced the word of God. And isn't that what the Lord told them uh, about? He said, uh, you have made the word of God of none effect by your traditions. Now, a tradition, we, th- we tend to think of a tradition as something old. But the word tradition just simply means something handed down or something handed over. And nothing's older than God. <laughs> Nothing's older than truth, the truth of God and His Word. So these traditions are not, they're they're pretending to be old truth, but they are modern replacements for truth. Something that people have decided and then they hand down 
They hand over and people go, yeah, yeah, that's right. Now in this modern age we're living in, you know, we've been enlightened. That's exactly what the church at Corinth, they had been enlightened and they were puffed up about the knowledge they had of grace. And that's why everybody had just accepted this relationship between this man and his stepmother because, hey, it just happened and all things are permissible to us. And the Spirit of God through Paul says, absolutely not. Absolutely not. He said, no. He said, I've already prayed about this. I've already judged about this. And when we come together, we're turning this man over to Satan for the destruction of his flesh. So his spirit won't be lost. See, on the path he was on, he could wind up lost. Now see, people would think, ooh, that's too harsh. That's That's not love. Jesus is love. That's people that don't know God. I said, they don't know God. They don't know the Word. This is love. This is, this is carrying about them not winding up lost. This is carrying about the whole church not going down the tubes. Why? They're in the midst of overt sexualism. Prostitutes everywhere. They're in the world. They don't need to be part of the world. They need to be salt and light. They need to be separated. And that's the enemy trying to work this stuff back into the church. Next thing you know, all of them will be back over there in the middle of these orgies and anything goes and everything goes. No, the word was right in Leviticus 18. It's still right today. It will always be right. Can you say amen? Stand on your feet, everybody. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Go ahead.